0: I am excited about this legacy season, and I wanna say this, if you're a new guest with us, I wanna explain, like we've been doing already, a little bit more about what legacy season is all about. It's every year we come together to do this, and it typically happens in the fall. And I wanna tell you today that it's, it's been an amazing year here at Skybreak Church. And I'm excited in the next few weeks to show you all of the amazing things that God has done through our generosity and consistency, and what he wants to do next over this next year. I'm excited to share the vision about what's happening and where we're going, and I don't want you to miss a single week during legacy season. It's crucial to be a part. And as we approach the end of this year, our legacy offering is coming up on December 3rd, so it's just four weeks away. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's just four weeks away turn to your other neighbor say it's just four weeks away and we will get to appreciate what God has done and how he's brought us through this year this is our opportunity to do that and it's a tradition every year for the people of skybreak that we come together and bring our best sacrificial gift to our legacy offering to help accelerate the vision that God has for this house That God has for all of us. You see, our offering is something that we do on a practical level. And I can't wait, honestly, personally, I cannot wait to give back to God in an extraordinary way. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to to thank God and appreciate God for all that he's done in my life. And all that he's done in my family. I'm excited to see what God's going to do in all of your lives through this offering. The stories that get told during this time. The miracles that happen and i've been praying about this season for months i've been praying for those who will step out in faith and who've done it already but who will give again six digits this year i'm praying also for those who will give three digits this year and maybe that one hundred dollars in god's eyes is a bigger sacrifice than the person who's given six digits because let me explain something i want you to understand god is not looking for equal gifts he looks for equal sacrifice. You can look through this all throughout scripture. So it's not about the amount, but it is about sacrifice. The Bible talks about what we're doing today, and I'm over these next few weeks, Pastor Danny and I, we're gonna explain what this is all about. And I want you to embrace in this season the heart of sacrifice, because I truly believe and you offer and you step out in faith and you offer a sacrifice to God he will always respond always respond and you may be asking yourself "Well, why do we spend an entire series talking about legacy and, and an offering well here's what I believe you invest in what you value and when you value something you will easily sacrifice for it just look at your time clock you begin to look for ways to give towards it because it has worth to you. And the next generation, guess what? It matters to me. And it matters to this church, both in age and new believers. And we will do anything short of sin to reach people that don't know Jesus. We will not sit on the sideline and just say, we're okay with just us going to heaven. No, there are people that are going to hell and we have a job to do. So it's not about us. It's about them. And I'm so thankful for the years that have come up until this point where people were so much thinking about you more than themselves and it's why we get to sit in the seat we're in today. That the people that have been before you have prayed for you, have sacrificed for you, have given for you to be here, have showed up when they didn't want to show up, who served when they didn't really feel like serving, who gave when it didn't make sense. So I could sit in this seat. So you can sit in this seat. So your kids can be taught the word of God right now. So you can find life and hope again. When you were so desperate. I believe that when we give out of sacrifice. It's saying God. You deserve so much more. But out of what you have given me. Here is my worship. Our giving. Is worship to God. You have to. You have to connect that. You have to understand because we serve a God who is a giver by nature. When you give, you're saying, God, here is my sacrifice. You're saying, here is my oil that I will pour back out to you. And at Skybreak, we believe that generosity is our privilege. We are blessed to be a blessing. We will lead the way with irrational generosity. That's who we are. That's what we believe. And if that's hard for you to grasp, I hope you'll come to an understanding of that or find a place where you can. Because that's who we are. And that's who we've been for 36 years. This legacy season is a season of miracles. Every year, miracles happen. Every year, revelation happens. Every year, restoration happens. Every year, blessings happen. Every year, stretching happens. Every year, sacrifice happens. And God shows up. Every year. Every year. And I want to break this down in a simple way that we can all understand today. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to read through an amazing passage and story from the story about the prophet Elijah. As we kick off this series for the first week of it. 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to read it and then we're going to unpack it a little bit. Verses, we're going to start in verse 7 today through verse 13. It says, Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. They were in famine, they were in a drought. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This is Elijah. And he says, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and he asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called out again and he said, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Verse 12: As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her: Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, someone say, but first. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then, somebody say, and then make something for yourself and your son. But first. Make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have. And then, go make something for you and your son. I want to preach to you today from the title, But First. But First. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word and how powerful that it is. God, I ask today that you would... Pour out your presence on your people that you would open our ears and our hearts to see what your word has to say that as we enter into this legacy season and we understand what you've asked us to do as followers of you jesus as believers in the one who is the messiah the one who came and laid down his life for us the one who set the universe in motion God, I pray today that we would embrace this idea of legacy. That it's not about us. That it is beyond us. It is thinking past just our generation and even the next generation. But it's thinking even three generations deep. Because God, you always said when you were speaking to people, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of Israel. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is what you said. Three generations constantly speaking in three. So God, I just pray today that you would allow us to embrace what you have called us to embrace, that your word would cut through, that you would show us today your revelation and who you are and what you want to do and how we are supposed to be as Christ followers. Speak to us today, Father. Let us understand your word in a way that maybe we've never understood it. Let us not clench our seats today, but let us open our hands and let us have an open heart. Do what you want to do. Let your will be done today. On earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Give someone a big hug before you take a seat. Tell them you love them. Tell them it's good to see them. Tell them they smell good. Even if you're speaking by faith. Has God ever asked you to do something when you were in a season of a drought? Like, has he ever asked you to do something that seemed irrational, that didn't make sense when you were in a season of lack, or so as you feel? Maybe maybe the drought was relationally. Maybe the drought was in your state of mind. There was just this void and this this emptiness, there was an absence. Or maybe, and maybe this is where we feel it most when God speaks to us, it's in our money. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, oh, today it is. Look to your other neighbor and say, it's the money talk. Hold your purses. I don't know about you, but I hate that feeling. I hate that we can feel this isn't in my notes but I believe this is something God wants me to say I hate that we feel the anxiety when the Bible says the word money because it shouldn't feel that way it shouldn't feel we shouldn't feel guilty for the word of God Yet, oftentimes we feel guilty, and I will tell you that guilt is not guilt, that guilt is probably conviction. It's probably coming from a place of lack of understanding, and where there is ignorance, there is darkness, and that's where the enemy likes to live, is in darkness. But when you bring something to light, God says there is is freedom in truth, and it will set you free. And today, that's what I want to do. I want to talk about the basis of tithing. And I want to talk about what it is and what God has to say about our money. Because oftentimes, God will ask you to do something in a season of drought so He can show you and He can remind you of His power. Because oftentimes we forget how great He really is. And that He is a follow-through of his word that he will do what he said that he is a promise keeper how many you know that we serve a God who is a promise keeper that if he said it he will complete it so as I began to study and prepare for our legacy season this fall I kept being drawn to this passage in first kings chapter 17 God kept bringing me back to this passage over and over again and I got to be honest with you As I read it again and again, I became irritated. I don't know about you, but have you ever read the word of God and you just got mad? You just get irritated? Not because of necessarily what it's saying, but yet because of what it's saying. Because what we have here is the prophet Elijah, who is considered the man of God. He spoke on behalf of God, who is entering into the city gates and he sees this widow... She's gathering some sticks and he calls out to her and he asked her for a jar of water. And then he proceeds to ask her for a slice of bread. Now, the problem isn't that he asked her for some water and some bread. That's not the problem. What made me irritated, what made me want to throw something, was that based on her situation, he proceeded to tell her to go get it anyway. Let's read it again, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 10. So he went to Zarephath, where he came to the town gate. A widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and asked, Would you bring me some water that I may have a drink? And she was going, as she was going to go get it, he called, And also, would you please bring me a piece of bread? Surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I want you to understand the emphasis of what is happening right here in this moment. I don't have any bread. All I have is a handful of flour in the jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, somebody say, but first. But first, make me a small loaf of bread and bring it to me. And then, somebody say, and then. Make something for yourself and your son. All this woman had was a little bit of flour in a, in a jar and a little bit of olive oil in a jug. All she was trying to do was gather a few sticks so she can go make her last meal for her and her son so they can eat it and they can die. And then yet this prophet, this man of God, has the audacity to tell her. Go do what you're going to do. But first, but first, make me a small loaf of bread and bring it to me so I can eat it. And then you can go make what's ever left over for you and your son. Can you believe that he said that? I don't know about you, but I read that. I was like, Lord, this prophet, mm -mm, he needs something. He needs more of you, Jesus. Can you believe that God would ask you to first give him some bread? When what you feel like you have is only enough. But What I feel that God is trying to teach us in this passage. Is that when it doesn't make sense when what you feel is only just enough for you, regardless of your situation, that if you will give to him first. And the key is that it is first, not what's left over. The the prophet did not say, go make yourself something and then whatever may be left over, bring it to me. No, he said, but first. Because when you do that, it will be multiplied by an almighty God in a supernatural way. And people often believe that when you give to God, that you will have less. But God has something called God math. Y'all know what I'm talking about right now. He has ways that you cannot math it. But yet he multiplies it to be enough every time. It's called God math. I know y'all have heard about girl math. How many of you have never heard about girl math? How many of you have heard about girl math? Like if you have cash in your wallet and you use it, it's girl math, it's free. It didn't go on the card, it didn't go on my account. If I have to spend 20 extra, five extra dollars so I can have, or sorry, 20 extra dollars so I can have the $5 delivery free be free, I will spend the $20. That's girl math. If I return something to the store that I didn't use, and I use that money to buy something else, it's girl math. It's free. Girl math is, oh, I won't spend $500 on Amazon, but I'll spend $100 five times in the next three days. That's called girl math. All the husbands are like, yes, girl math. There's also a thing called chicken math. Anybody got chickens? We have chickens. We started with four. We have sixteen. That's how it works. You buy four. One died. One we thought ran away. Just went on a little round, a little bit on a walkabout for about three days. So we got four more. And then it showed back up. And then somehow, when we left with the other four, we also left with about eighteen eggs that were being put in an incubator in my house. And now we have sixteen. It's called chicken math. You can't just get one, you have to get two because it needs a friend. You can't have a six-week-old and an 18-month-old at the same time. You got to have two six-weeks-old and then an 18, 18 month eighteen-month-olds because they need a friend. It's called chicken math. Guys, you have something called hunting math. Because every week's a new season. Babe, but you know, that was archer season. And now it's gun season. It starts over. It's like a new day. I went last week, that was last week, now it's a new week, it's called hunting math. i got to do it over again because i got to keep my game up. It's called hunting math. Well, let me explain something to you. God has something called God math. The God math factor. But the factor only works if he's first. It only works if he's first. And we serve a God that says in His Word, Philippians 4.19, But my God, my God, shall supply all your need according to what's in my wallet. No, no. But my God shall supply all your needs. Somebody say, that's my need. According to His Riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's the Apostle Paul writing. And then, then you've got Matthew 6, 6, 6.33. Jesus saying, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So, you've got Paul who's in prison in Philippians 4. By the time we're there, he is in prison writing this to the church that's saying that while he's in desperate need, while he is chained up, locked up, and ain't getting out anytime soon, he says, But my God shall supply all your needs. And then you've got Jesus who just before all that comes up and he starts talking to the people and he's shouting out in Matthew 6 that, but seek first. Not last, not second, not 87th. No, but seek first the kingdom of God. And then you've got Elijah going all the way back to the Old Testament in 1 Kings 17. I think there's a little bit of a trend here going on where he says, but first. That word, but. It's a big but, it's a big but, and I cannot lie, I couldn't help it, I tried real hard. But you got to understand that word but is purposed specifically in the beginning and in order to eradicate all our excuses, all our reasons, all of our thoughts and disbeliefs that people have on why they don't put God first in their money. That but is there for a reason. And I want you to understand today that the foundation of the Christian life is to follow Jesus with all that we are, holding nothing back. That's what the Bible asks us to do. And to be a disciple means that my financial life will be inseparably connected to my worship. To be a lover of God is to be a giver. To be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with the very essence of our generous God. In other words, when we get saved, our wallets must also be converted as well. You say, where is that at? I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 22. The words of Jesus. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with what? All of your." With what? All All of your soul. With what? All All of your mind. This is the first. See that, that word there again? This is the first and greatest commandment. You see, when we give God our lives, it also includes something called our treasure, which represents our time, it represents our talents, and it also represents our money. And according to Jesus, the places and people that we give our treasure to are the keepers of our hearts and objects of our affection. You say, where is that at? I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 6. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We are to serve the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, all of our soul. But for where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So tithing is the practical and consistent way that we put God first in our lives and develop healthy spiritual habits. If I were to say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my God, and you are first in my life, and then I put him last in my budget, that is a contradiction that cannot be justified in the light of scripture. It cannot. You gotta understand that tithing is the tangible way that we put God first in our lives and clearly establish our priorities and who we are serving. I want you to write this down. Tithing teaches you to always put God first in your life. How can I expect for all the other areas of my life to be blessed? And yet the very thing that my entire life evolves around is finances and yet not put him first in them. Every day you get up to go make money, to have a living every day. And I could go, I could sit down with you and talk about Old Testament, New Testament law, under the law, under grace. I could could have that whole debate with you because I've studied real hard. I've talked to so many people, too, that they come to church in hopes that their life's going to get better. I haven't come into church. I'm hoping that, you know, and they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, I don't really know what else to do. I come to church and my life, it doesn't really feel that much better. Can I tell you something? That's because you haven't put God fully first in every area of your life. I bet you if we were to start to go down the list and say, is God first here? You'd say, mm. is God first here? Mm. No, he's, in, he, he's maybe first in your, check to, your to-do list, but he's not first in every single area. It's not all your soul. It's not all your mind. It's not all of your heart. It's in only the areas that are convenient. It's in only the areas that feel good when we want it to feel good. But you, He isn't truly Lord unless He is Lord in every area of your life. And you've only maybe given Him a piece of it, but He expects, how can I expect Him to bless all my life when I only give Him a piece of it? Because God cannot bless what you do not give them do not give him. He will not bless what you do not give him. And this goes with anything. Not just your money. This goes with your mind. This goes with your heart. This goes with your marriage. This goes with your career. This goes with your kids. Because Lord, they need Jesus. I can't wait to baptize my sons and daughter. We're gonna hold it down underwater 18 different times. And Jesus said, Everything will pass away. All become new. That's right, in the name of Jesus. Suck that new air in, baby. Sometimes I need Jesus all I gotta get saved all over again after a weekend with my kids. Mm. But I can't expect God to bless what I don't give him. I can't expect him to bless my business if I don't give it to him. So let's let's talk practically today over the next few minutes, because we got somebody else coming in here in about an hour ready to have church, and we're gonna talk to them too. What is tithing? Let's explain this, because maybe you have not grown up in this, maybe you haven't understood it, or maybe you've had a false sense of what it is, or an understanding, or you've listened to some YouTube pastor that's not even a pastor, want to explain what it really is when he really don't know what it is, I and mean, you've got some TikTok preacher that thinks he knows what he's talking about, but all he's trying to do is cause division in the church because he thinks he knows better, but really it's the enemy trying to come in and creep in into the way that you believe and you see and your perspective are and your mentality is, so you probably should get off TikTok and Instagram, understanding those pastors, and get yourself in church, where we can read the word of God and we can hear what he has to say. That wasn't a a microphone, but I should have dropped it. That was a phone. (laughs) What is tithing? Here's tithing. Tithing is the spiritual practice of giving back to God the first 10% of all that we earn. Simple. That's what it is. It's easy to understand when you break it down like this. The word tithe comes from the number 10 in Hebrew. That's what it comes from. And it means a tenth. So simply put, if you make $100, you earn and receive. In any form or fashion, $100, the first what goes to God? The first 10. That's 10%. Go back to math. First 10%. So if you get 100, the first 10 is God. It belongs to Him. All of it really belongs to Him. He just asks for a piece. But tithing, let me explain this. Tithing should be a starting point, not a goal to achieve. And that's where we get it. Well, let me start with 2%. No, that's not tithing. Tithing is 10%. It is the biblical standard. Old Testament, New Testament. You can read it. You can understand it. It was a biblical principle. So if I give five, I'm offering five. I'm not tithing five. Tithing is one-tenth of everything that you earn. And here's the most famous verse that's teached in every church you'll walk into to support the principle of tithing. And it can be heard in most churches on a regular basis. You've heard us even preach about it here because it is truth. Malachi 3.10. It says this, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. What is that? Let's stop that for a second. What is all the tithe? That's my whole 10%. Into the storehouse, which is my place of worship. Let me also explain something. Giving donations to other causes is great. And you should do that. You should give to the needy, you should give to the poor. You should hand a dollar or ten dollars or whatever you feel led to give to people that are on the street when you feel led to do it. Or buy them a meal. You should do those things. But let me explain something. You cannot call it your tithe. The tithe is meant to be brought to your house of worship. That is the tithe. So give 1% away to something else. But that is not the tithe. You do not take away from your tithe to give to other organizations. You give to where you are fed. You give to where you are worshiping. I want to make it really simple and easy to understand. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there may be food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of the heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great. You will not have room enough to take it in. Try it, he said. Oh, I love when the Lord says that kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, this is the only place he does say it. Try it, he says. He said, put me to the test. You know when you ever got in a fight with somebody or about to get in a fight with somebody they said, try me. I wish you would. You ever had that happen? I have. I'll say it. Try me. I tried it. The Lord says, try it. Put him to the test. The only place in scripture that you will find where he says, try it. You see, our God is in the business of multiplying. Look through all through Scripture. You can go back to the story of the five loaves and the two fish. They robbed a little boy. No, they did. The little boy offered his five loaves and his two fish, and he multiplied the five loaves and two fish to feed thousands. It says 5,000, but when you understand Scripture, they only counted men that were present. They did not count their entire family. So it says 5,000 men and their families. So God multiplied five loaves, two fish, to feed thousands And had 12 baskets left over. We serve a God that is a God of the multiplication. It's called the God math, And I want to share with you some statistics of what our nation has done in the past few years by just giving as they felt led. This is heart-wrenching. I want to show this to you. That currently, Americans give, the first one, 1.1 to 1.4% of their yearly income to various causes and charitable organizations. That number has declined in the last few years. Second thing, American Christians give 1.5 to 3.1% to their church and other charitable organizations. That number has dropped even more in the past few years. Ready for another one? Four out of 10 church attendees give nothing to their local church. There is someone on your row who does not give. I want you to think about that. Multiple. Here's another one. You ready? Only one out of ten regular church attendees give a consistent percentage, not even meaning the tithe, of their income to their local church. One out of ten. The national average of people who tithe today to their local church is currently four percent of all church-attending Christians. 4%. Those are some alarming statistics that should quickly answer the question as to why our nation is in need of revival because God clearly does not have our hearts. And also in those line of statistics, you have to ask yourself, What would happen if God's people gave according to biblical precedent? How many lives would be changed? Could we expedite world evangelism and eradicate world hunger through the church? Could we care for our cities and be a light into our world that cannot be hidden? Could we eliminate poverty in our nation and the nations of this earth? Could we take care of every widow and find a home for every orphan? Could we experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that resembled or even exceeded the book of Acts? The answer to all of those questions is yes, 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 and yes. Not to mention the personal blessings on our families, on our lives, on our businesses, on our churches, of millions of Christians who are currently attempting to make it outside of God's giving plan and divine economy. But first, make me a small loaf of bread. God doesn't ask for a lot. He just asks for a small loaf. He just asks for a slice and he wants to see where your heart is we must all come to the reality of whether or not we are truly putting god first in every area of our life because when we truly put him first it's something extraordinary happens when we put him first i want you to watch what happens 1 Kings 17, we're going to read verses 13 and read verse 14 that we have not read yet. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Somebody say, don't be afraid. afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first, say, but first. Make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then, somebody say, and then. Make something for yourself and your son. All right, here we go. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Oh, I love it when I read scripture and it comes down to a point that says this is what the Lord says, because, you know, whatever is about to come after this point, there is going to be a mic drop. God's about to say something that will change your life. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on this land. God is saying, if you will put me first, I will make it so that every single time you go back to get more, there will always be room for enough. There will always be enough for more that you will never run out of empty. You will never run dry. That flower will never be empty. That oil will never run dry. And when you follow this spiritual discipline and are obedient to God's word, you open up this thing called the law of the harvest. You open up this thing called the law of sowing and reaping. You open up this thing of the law of supernatural multiplication of a God who will break loose over your life in ways that you cannot even math it. will experience the God math factor. But first, somebody shout, but first. First. Oh, somebody shout, but first. First. You see, when, when, when you don't put God first, you void the law of the harvest. You do what's called, you eat your seed instead of plant it. And we expect God to bless the things that we eat. But our stomachs are not our planting place. His storehouse is. So let's just ask the question. You're like, why are you talking about this today? Because two things. Very simple, very easy. One, and first and foremost, God wants to bless you. That is is the first thing. God wants to bless you. He wants to do something in your life. He wants to bless you. Tell your neighbor, say, God wants to bless you. Now tell your second best choice that you you didn't tell first. They know it. Tell them God wants to bless you too. Oh, I don't know if you believe it. Do you believe that God wants to bless you? Because I don't feel like I'm hearing, and in you're in your, in your voice today. Your articulation is not up at a level 10 like me. Because God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. Second thing is building a legacy begins with the first. You can't build a legacy without the first. And I'll just say this while we're leading up to these next four weeks. I, If you do not practice tithing yet consistently, I would rather you not give in the offering and start tithing instead. Let that be your offering because your life will be forever changed by it and on a greater level. And as your pastor, I would rather your life and finances have god's favors god's favored hand on it above anything else than giving in some offering to help further the vision of this house i would rather your life be blessed hear me understand it i've practiced this since i was a child you can't tell me any different i've been where there is lack and i've been where there is abundance and that abundance only comes from the lord And it comes in trusting in Him when it don't make sense. And it comes with the first, not the last, not what's left over, not if I can afford it. I cannot afford not to. I cannot afford not to. I would much rather God bless my 90 than me in my own intellect handle my 100. Because we are dumb to do it in ourselves. And you may say, well, there's some people who are successful. They ain't even a Christian. Good. Imagine if they tithed. We asked the wrong question. Well, they don't tie. Why should I? Imagine if they did. It's all about perspective. Imagine if they did. Some of you today like you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know you do. And I'm I'm saying this because the statement is true. You cannot outgive God. How many givers do we have in the room? Make some noise, but it's your forgiver. Just make some noise. So today, some of you are having a heart check. Let's be real. Some of you, you're gonna go home and you're gonna rework your budget. And I commend you for that. Some of you are gonna go get a budget because you don't have one. And you're gonna learn how to spend wisely you spend less than what you earn and you give God the first you're going to go home and you're going to figure that out today because God's supposed to get the first you're going to learn the principle of the first today some of you you're going to step up from where you're at remember the tithe was set as a law in the Old Testament that was the standard New Testament giving is beyond that they gave everything so we want to talk about what's under the law Abraham wasn't under the law We, we, we can go there and maybe this week, maybe, maybe I'll jump on social and I'll explain major critical questions. Maybe I'll do this. We'll see. We'll see what I got time for. But I want you to understand, some of, some of you may, you're going to go home or you're going to do it today. You're going to test God. And I hope you will. I'll, I'll hope you feel God saying, do something. Do something. Try me. Swing first. And watch me pour out a blessing. But do it with a cheerful heart. That's key. Don't give it reluctantly. Don't give it out of, out of obligation. I, hope, I don't want you to ever give out of obligation. You should always give out of a cheerful heart and a grateful heart, saying, God, thank you for what you've done. This is what I have to offer you. I'm giving you what is already yours. I'm returning it back to you so you can bless it. And what you do with it is your choice, God. Some of you, you're going to go home and go with your business, and you're going to start tithing off your business because you want God to bless your business going to realize that this principle applies in every area of your life some of you won't make a change at all you'll keep living the way that you are you'll be eating your seed not allowing god to have your full heart and giving him full lordship over your life and your finances something that he gave you to begin with your breath and your lungs is borrowed way you roam this earth is borrowed it is but a vapor your wife and your kids are borrowed what you have that house you live in and in a hundred years someone else will be living in that house and it'll be dust to you but what turns up in eternity that lasts forever and every time you give it turns up in eternity time and time again we don't even have time to break that all down i had, I had like twelve thousand pages of notes and i had to cut it down to six i'm still over time I want you to stand with me all across the room today. Because I want to pray for those of you today that you want to make a change. With every eye closed. Just in an atmosphere of surrender. I want to pray for those of you who want to make a change. Maybe you're not a tither at all maybe you give every now and then and when you do it's really is not the tithe maybe some of you, you you once did but you you lost the spiritual habit and discipline because life got in the way today is your day to get back on track of trusting god again in every area of your life beginning with So I just wanna say a prayer over you. I'm not gonna ask you to lift your hand. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything. You can do how you wanna do it. You can place your hand over your heart if you want to. You can stand there with your hands folded or in your pocket. It doesn't matter to me. All I care about is a heart of surrender. If you say, that's me today, pastor, I need a heart of surrender. I wanna turn this heart of stone into a heart of flesh. I've understood it wrong. And now I understand that God wants to bless me because he wants to bless you. He wants to pour out the windows of heaven and blessings over your life so father I thank you for every single person today that has come to the conscious decision that they need to make a change in their life to put you first to put you first in every area and especially today on the topic we're talking about to put you first in our money and our finances and our budget God you don't deserve what's left over you deserve what is first And so God, I pray today that you would help us to form the spiritual habit and the obedience factor to follow what your word has said, because we want to live in the favored life. We want to live under the life of blessing, where you bless what's put in our hands. We don't want to run with it on our own and our own intellect and what we can do. We want you to control what it is, because your math is so much better So Lord, help us to trust, help us to to put you first, help us to make a change, help us to rework our budget, help us to make it possible, and help us to do it in a cheerful way. Help us to try you and watch you work. God, we can't, I cannot wait to watch you work. You'll work in ways that we don't even understand. You'll work in ways that sometimes will be monetary, sometimes will be in other ways. And when we're looking for your blessings, God, we will always find them. If we're always looking for lack, Lord, we will always find it. But God, help us to turn our perspective, help us to get the right lens, help us to have the right set of vision to look for your favor and to look for your blessings because they are all around us. When we put you first, you show up in a supernatural way. God, you are the God of multiplication. You are the God of the supernatural. You are the God of the first we want to surrender our first to you today we trust you put our faith in you to begin this habit and spiritual discipline while your heads are still bowed today maybe for some of you your your first step in this is to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you don't know Him yet and you're hearing about a God who wants to bless you, hearing about a God who has given you the breath in your lungs, who sent His Son, His One, His first and His only Son to come and become His creation. His name is Jesus. He came through a Virgin Mary, a whole part of Scripture that we will unpack over time. But I want you to understand that Jesus gave His Son He roamed this earth. He performed miracles on this earth to show that He was the Son of God and He was the Son of Man. He laid down His life. They beat Him beyond recognition, the Bible says. He was nailed to a cross and He bled His blood for you and I. So that way when one day when we stand before God the Father and He asks us some questions, Jesus gets to stand in front of us, in front of our place and say, Father, I've got them covered. They're covered by my blood. When you accept Jesus, you receive that grace and that free gift of salvation. And God will say, well done. Come on in, good and faithful servant, that you'll be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven for all of eternity. If you don't know Jesus today, let me just say this. The story doesn't end there. Yes, he died on a cross, but the Bible says that three days later, on Sunday morning, He rose from the dead. And in the meantime, he went and defeated, went down into the pit of hell and grabbed the keys, defeated death, hell, and the grave, and came back to life, so you could live life to the full. You wouldn't have to to, you wouldn't have to pay for the sin that you've committed, that he became sin for you, and he eradicated your sin. That if you'll confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. And the moment you say, Lord, forgive me. The Bible says that He cast your sin as far as the east is from the west, that He throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. He never remembers them again. That's the kind of love your Father has for you. And maybe you're in this space, and my question to you today is this, do you know Him today? Do you know Jesus? Because there will come a time you will have to answer that question before some pearly gates and I want you to be able to say yes, that I live for him and I put him first. So if that's you today, you say, I don't know Jesus, I want to know Jesus or maybe you walked away from Christ at one point in your life and you're back today or whatever it may be and you're like, I, I need Jesus, I want, he needs to be Lord of my life, I want him to be first in my life. I want to accept the free gift of salvation. If that's you today, with every eye closed, every head bowed, I just want you to lift your hand when I count to three. One, two, three. Just lift him up. Lift him up. I need Jesus today. I want him to be Lord of my life. I want him to wash me clean. I want him to forgive me of all my sin. I want to put him first. Just lift it up. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Just put your hands high. See, that's me. I see that hand all the way at the top. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift him high. I need Jesus in my life. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to accept him. I want him to make things new in my life. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. you can put your hands down. I want us to pray this prayer together where we're out loud, where our ears can hear ourselves. Say, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. And today I ask that you would forgive me of all my sin and help me live a new life in you. I receive your salvation. I receive your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said amen.